Hello, everybody, and welcome back to my corner of the internet. I'd like to begin with a land acknowledgement, which I won't do for every episode, but which feels particularly appropriate for this one. I'd like to acknowledge that I'm recording this podcast from the ancestral and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people. Chipuktuk, also known as Halifax, is covered by the Treaties of Peace and Friendship, which Mi'kmaq, Maliseet, and Passamaquoddy peoples first signed with the British Crown in 1726. The treaties did not deal with surrender of lands and resources, but in fact recognized Mi'kmaq and Maliseet title and established the rules for what was to be an ongoing relationship between nations. I encourage you to take a minute to acknowledge the land from which you're listening to this, wherever you may be. This one's going to be short, but unfortunately not very sweet. This episode was hard to write because it's so huge, this topic, and in its face, I feel so small and uneducated. But I'm hoping that what we talk about gets you thinking, because this is a topic I'm really passionate about, but that not many people outside of the profession ever think about very much. That topic is the purpose of the criminal justice system. I want to start with a disclaimer, as usual, that I'm not particularly qualified to speak to this in any rigorously academic sense. I don't have a law degree. I don't have a bachelor's degree yet. But this is part of what I study in school. And as a person who's really passionate about what she studies, I'm interested in opening up these topics and making them more widely accessible to people who might not be exposed to them otherwise. This is theory, so there's no right or wrong answer, and it's pretty abstract, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have very real, very pressing implications. This is also a bit of a trigger warning. I recognize that the criminal justice system can be a really sensitive topic, and anyone who's ever had contact with it knows that it's a serious one. I'm going to do my best to be sensitive to this. Today, I'm going to be dealing mostly with abstractions, but I always keep in mind, and you should too, that all this theory has grave implications on real human beings, on all of us even. So trust me, I don't take it lightly. Having said this, let's get into it. The criminal justice system in any country is a fascinating thing. It's a window into the values of society. The same way that you can learn a lot about a person from how they deal with people they don't like, you can learn a lot about a society or country from how its laws and practices deal with people who are on society's margins. Most people know that we've got a ton of laws, and we've got a ton of ways to punish every imaginable transgression, and courts are, for the most part, responsible for figuring out which consequence matches each transgression. But what most of us don't think about is this. Why do we have those punishments? What is the point of the criminal justice system? What are we trying to accomplish through it? Of course, what we consider to be a crime offers lots of insight into our values and our idea of morality. But what I want to talk about is how we actually justify doling out punishments to fellow human beings, and what our goal as a society is in doing so. This is really interesting. You might have some sort of gut response to this question. Obviously, criminals should be punished, they did something wrong, so they just deserve punishment. Maybe your rationale is a little more nuanced. Criminals should be punished because, well, that teaches them not to do that act again, and it teaches others, also, not to do it at all. Maybe you head straight to the top and say, well, the stability of society depends on the existence of harsh penalties for illegal acts, otherwise laws would have no sway on people, and we could all just hurt and abuse each other as much as we wanted for our own personal gain. These are the ideas that have guided our federal criminal justice framework in so-called Canada under the British common law. 
Is that the only way to see criminal justice? No. Is that the only framework of justice we have here in Canada? Trick question, also no. Indigenous nations each have their own justice systems, and actually the so-called Canadian criminal justice system evolved out of a mix of French, British, and Indigenous legal tradition. Most Indigenous law practices actually have completely different goals in mind than Canadian and American federal laws. At this point, I'll say again that I am totally not qualified to speak to this in much more depth, but I want to be clear that when I talk about quote-unquote our criminal justice system, I'm talking about the one based on British common law that has become dominant in so-called Canada. I am also going to stop calling it so-called Canada because I think you get the point. Also, okay, I mentioned that this is part of what I'm studying in school, but this isn't a research paper, and I've got more than enough of those to write. I just kind of want to share some thoughts that I've had on this. At its core, our criminal justice system is based around the idea that justice means punishing criminals. But what happens when we live in a society where arrests are increasing, conviction rates are increasing, incarceration rates are increasing, but crime rates themselves don't actually account for all of these increases? What happens when our so-called justice system becomes, in effect, a revolving door that disproportionately traps black and indigenous men in its walls? Since the murder of George Floyd this summer, we've been talking about this much more, which is great. And you can find plenty of better resources than myself, like the ones in the show notes, to educate yourself on the role of race in the criminal justice system. Basically, there's something that's gone very wrong in how we charge, convict, and sentence people who've committed crimes. It's incredibly racialized, and seeing as, in Canada, our government's relationship with Indigenous nations has devolved from historic cooperation and mutual respect to oppression and brutality in residential schools, this probably wasn't an accident. The criminal justice system has become an extension of a history of racism and cultural erasure. But what if we imagine that there are different ways to ensure we live in a safe and orderly society than enforcing our laws unevenly at the expense of black, Latino, and indigenous people? Because focusing on punishment isn't the only way to dispense justice. What if we cared more about mending the bond that's been broken in a community that suffered crime, providing restitution to the victim or victimized group, and, where possible, rehabilitating the individual who's committed the crime, than we do about just punishing them. In other words, what if we've had our priorities all wrong? Randy Barnett, an American legal scholar and writer, wrote a really fascinating paper arguing in favor of a criminal justice system that focuses on victim restitution rather than punishment, and I want to share some of his ideas with you. What Barnett means by restitution is compensating the victim for the loss they suffered. Basically, he's arguing that if we diverted resources that are currently focused on punishing people, including the whole prison complex, we could actually achieve much more just and desirable results for our society. The John Howard Society estimated in 2018 that total public spending, so spending from all branches of government in Canada, on prisons and jails, was $5 billion per year. It cost two to three times as much to keep one inmate in a federal prison for a year than it did to pay for one year of Harvard tuition. This is fucked. This is literally fucked. Yes, some of these people are serial murderers, rapists, and pedophiles, but also crimes like mail fraud, counterfeiting, and drug possession can get you locked up in a federal penitentiary. Prison is expensive, and it's funded by taxpayers for the most part. Prison is dangerous for its inmates, particularly queer and trans people. 
A prison is ineffective in treating severe mental illnesses, whose rates are four to seven times higher in prison than in the community, according to the CAMH. Who does prison benefit? Okay, in a way, it benefits the communities who suffered the crimes and which are safer now than the criminals have become confined inmates, but much more significantly, it benefits the penal bureaucracy. Let's be clear, this shouldn't be the goal. <laughs> if we were to focus more on restitution, however, so compensating the victim, everyone except the penal bureaucracy would benefit. The victim benefits, first and foremost. Right now, the criminal justice process is at best frustrating and at worst traumatizing for anyone who's gone through it as a victim reporting and testifying for a crime they've suffered. Particularly in cases of sexual assault, which comes to mind, this is a huge barrier to people actually coming forward and reporting crime. If the process focused more on getting the victim what they need and deserve, rather than just punishing the criminal, there would be a stronger incentive for victims to come forward and be safe in doing so. Restitution also benefits the criminal, and even though this might be a complicated quote-unquote advantage to some people, I think, personally, it's pretty clear that if we can rehabilitate criminals to make sure they get the help they need, instead of locking them up into a revolving door cycle of crime where they'll probably just do it again, we absolutely should. And finally, restitution benefits the economy, because like I said, prison is friggin' expensive, and I for one would rather see most of that money go towards increasing access to free mental health care, for example, or education, or social support, or any of a million other desirable social goods. There are obviously a few issues with a system that is all restitution and no prison. For the most hardcore criminals, yeah, we need to know they're locked up and can never repeat what they did. If you're a mom, and Bill molested your child. You don't want Bill's money, probably. You just want to know he's locked away for good and will never go near another child again. But when it comes to the vast majority of crimes, especially first-time offenses or offenses committed by young people who have so much of their lives ahead of them, prison, in my opinion, is not the best available option. Better yet would be for them to pay off a debt to the person or community that they harmed, receive rehabilitative support, and be able to actually do something with their lives without being followed around by the specter, the label of criminal or felon. Okay, this is becoming a bit of a research paper bordering on philosophical analysis, and I'm way in over my head, so I'd like to wrap this up. Listen, we've seen a lot of stuff go wrong in the criminal justice system, and especially since 2020, we've been hearing lots of proposals as to how we can make things better, some more radical than others. I don't have the expertise or willingness right now to unpack all of them, but I just wanted to get you guys thinking about the principles that underlie criminal justice in our country. We take for granted the systems we've inherited, and we find ways to exist within them as best we can. But that doesn't mean they're the best option. That doesn't even mean they're a good option at all. We should strive as a society to mend the inequities that ravage our autonomy and our egalitarian ideals. We should strive to improve the institutions that are meant to serve us and celebrate the improvements we do see, incremental as they may be. More than anything, we should think critically about our shared values and about whether our institutions actually reflect these. We are lucky enough to live in a democracy. We should use our voices as a force for good rather than complacently accept subpar, ineffective, even oppressive structures just because they're what we've always known. That's it for Thought Experiment Thursday. 
I hope you find some way to engage with this, even if, or honestly, especially if you completely disagree with everything I just said. Either way, spread the word, join the discussion, and in all things, do not be afraid to think for yourself. If you got something out of today's episode, please consider sharing it with friends and leaving me a review on iTunes. It's just a few seconds for you, but it honestly means the world to me. Until we speak again, be gentle with yourself, think critically, and don't forget to enjoy your life. Bye.